For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back. It is a, another edition of the Coaching Chatter Podcast. We are back from a hiatus. We've been, uh, I guess you could say we've been busy. We've been on spring vacation, uh, taking our time and get some much needed rest, whatever the case may be. Have no fear. We are back. Joining me, as always, is Craig Ladd. Craig, how you doing, man? Doing well, Corey. Uh, glad to be back. You know, all the spring practices are done in the SEC and most of the other colleges. So a lot to talk about. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, we are without our third partner, Kurt Page. He is uh, he's unable to join us. He is big time AD down in Alabama. He's got his athletic director duties just closed on a new cottage at the lake. So happy for him. He's uh, he's taking care of all that. So uh, until we can get him back, uh, we're going to go as a duo right now. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about nonetheless. Um, some interesting news here in Nashville uh, with Eddie George. We'll get to that. Uh, joining the TSU football team uh and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna finish our previews through the sec west i'm gonna actually double back to uh to tennessee but all that here in just a second you can find us online you can find us on social media myself at coach burton 36 you can find me elsewhere on the believe podcast network on the at believe in at Believe in Georgia Dogs or at Believe in Dogs on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me also on at Illegal underscore Motion. Uh, we do a comprehensive college football show there. We, we cover it from coast to coast. Uh, you can find Craig at D Craig Lad. You can find him also at Soar Athletic Training. That's his business account. Um, and you can find our good friend Kenny Salas at K Salas Realtor on Twitter, Kenny Salas on Instagram, Kenny Salas on Facebook. He is the member of the hometown team, uh, hometownteam615.com, all your realty needs in Wilson County. Looks like a lot of people are going to be moving in and out. So uh, plenty of good houses available, plenty of good places available. He's on a roll, guys. He's on fire. Uh, you, you you better you better act quick, or these things are going to be gone. The the housing market is ridiculous, and uh, we are also presented by BetOnline.ag. It's uh, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Are you going to bet, Craig, on the FCS playoffs? No. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a big better. Okay. Uh, you know. Yeah. I'm just. That's just. You know. Nothing against anybody that does that. And you know, I went to Vegas on my honeymoon, and and that was one of the things I wanted to go to a sports book and bet, and I did that, and enjoyed the heck out of it. You know. But I just. Uh, I'm. I'm yet to get into that other, and uh, I, I need to, because. Uh, 
it seems to be a lot of fun. Yeah, people have a lot of fun with that. Uh, some people have too much fun, and yes. uh, people live and die with these scores, man. It's it's crazy. But uh, anyway, so head to the website, head to betonline.ag. Use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. They even have TV show odds. They had Oscar odds. I didn't check them out. I didn't really want to, but I thought it was kind of crazy that they did. Hey, you know what, Corey? It, it, you can bet on anything. It, that it's is incredible. True. It's incredible. You can bet on anything that you that that your heart desires. And you, uh, you speak facts. Uh, yes, absolutely. Hey, I want to also add that uh, SoarAthleticTraining.com is live. We oh, now have a website. Right. Sort so uh, I am uh, adding content to that daily. So uh, we definitely uh, want to encourage people to uh, come see that. And uh, also to announce that uh, we will be having an exposure camp uh, in Alabama, uh, May 7th. Uh, going to have uh, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26 uh, guys going to be there. Going to have uh, a lot of local college um, coaches to lead that camp, and that will be on uh, May the 7th, and it will be uh, – uh, you can check out register on soarathletictraining.com. And then also the following Saturday, uh, we will also be having a, a youth camp, third through eighth grade. And uh, – uh, check that out also. You can register there on the SOAR Athletic Training uh, uh, website. So uh, definitely check that out if you're down in the uh, Alabama area, uh, Georgia area, because we'll the, both camps will be at, uh, at Springwood, which is right there on the uh, Alabama-Georgia border. All right. There you go. Exposure camps, big things going on. The site looks good. And uh, – I'm excited that it's it's kicking off the. Uh, there's only four staff members of the uh, sore athletic training. Gotta get. Yes, gotta get me I, in there. I need to. I, I will be updating that, Corey, and definitely I will be adding you. Yeah. <laughs> now nah, you got to get a picture with my good side, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. We'll go. get. We'll there de- definitely get, get that. <laughs> I saw a new fashion at the 707 tournament we were at. Um, uh, ski goggles. I got to get some ski goggles. Yes, that was yeah. a, that was an interesting look, to say the least. I looked. I had to double take and say, "Are those ski goggles?" He, you know, I had a friend. Hey, whatever it, it takes. Me. You know, I had a friend explain it to me. It's it's strange, but here's the explanation. You know when you win a championship? Yeah. And you're spraying the champagne? Yes. What is, what is everybody wearing? That's right. So so basically so, that's what you're that's yeah. impending. That's what you're gonna be doing. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it I gets get you it. in that championship mindset, I guess. I get it. Right. I get it. I, yeah. I'm more of a guzzler than a uh pourer over the head, so I, I wouldn't need the uh goggles. Yeah. Well, you might you might catch some uh I guess you might catch some collateral damage there, but nonetheless, uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Kenny Salas and his realty team, home, hometown team, 615 betonline.ag. And of course our title sponsor, soar athletic training. Uh, our quarterback is the logo. Uh, so that's uh, that's pretty cool, but Kurt, or actually Kurt is missing. He's the director and co-founder, uh, but Craig, let's get into some spring football. Let's double back. Did you watch Tennessee spring game? I did. Um, I, and your thoughts? 
Well, you know, you know, you, you know, you take those spring games with a grain of salt, uh, really, you know, you, you shouldn't take get too excited about them. You shouldn't get too down about them if if you're if it doesn't you know go your way. Um, the thing I that I did see was a you know the up tempo of Heupel's offense is incredible. Uh, I mean, it was just continuous. Uh, it was high powered, uh, passing the ball, the the routes. Uh, you yeah. know, the, the deep balls they were throwing, uh, you know, it, it's going to be if you're going to be, you know, l- let's face it. And, and I've said this before, if Tennessee finishes 500, he, he's done a hell of a job. But I'll say this. They're going to be fun to watch because they're going to be tossing the ball all over the ballpark. Um, and, you know. In the recent news of the fact that Joe Milton has now committed to Tennessee, he was quarterback at at Michigan, you know, tells me that if he's taking a commitment from a quarterback this late in the game, it tells me that he's not set on a guy. I mean, do you agree with that? I agree with that. I don't think Joe Milton's that guy, but I don't think think Coach Heupel's – set on anybody uh, because Harrison Bailey, I, I think honestly, just listening to the buzz around camp, watching a little bit of that spring game, I thought Harrison Bailey is going to, I thought he looked the best. I thought he was the most consistent. I thought he got, I thought he best fits what Hypo wants to do. Now, whether he, I guess whether he wins that in fall camp, I don't know. Now it's a three way, three-way race between Milton Hooker and uh, Harrison Bailey. So uh, we'll, Actually, we'll see. Actually, four with Maurer. got Maurer in there, too. So, you know. Okay. Yeah, that's a bit yeah. of a stretch. But um, <laughs> really, it's three. It's really it's a three-person race. Yeah. Um, Maurer is going to – yeah, Maurer just he's, – he's odd man out. He might as well just go on and transfer to VMI or somewhere. Um, VMI is a playoff team, mind you. So um, – yeah, as far as the quarterback situation goes, you know, Hooker and, and Milton are, are very similar. I think Hooker's better than Milton. I think Harrison Bailey's better than Milton. I, I don't I don't really see the fit uh with, with Milton. I guess he's just trying to get some depth, some competition. I, I don't know. But um it, it was an odd it was an odd transfer, uh, to say the least, because I think Milton could have could have gone in a number of places and, and been just fine and, and actually probably been the guy. Like he probably could have gone to South Carolina, been the guy. Probably could have walked in at well, not Mississippi State, but he could have probably walked in at Kentucky and, and competed quite nicely. He could have walked in anywhere in those ACC schools and uh, and competed. But I, I mean, I guess he just wants to be in an SEC room and more power to him, I guess. But you know, I, I'm not real sure what he brings that Hooker doesn't bring that Harrison Bailey doesn't bring. Well, you know, like I said, I, th- I found it kind of odd. And, and the first thing that struck me with the fact that, you know, the rumors, you know, it popped out there before he actually was committed that he he was going to commit. I think it was Yahoo Sports that broke it, uh, that he was going to commit. And the first thing out of my first thing that I thought about was, well, if you're taking another quarterback, that means you're not happy with the three you got. And you right. want more competition, and you think this guy could possibly be the guy? That that's what I took out of it. 
You're taking you know, a flyer. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and you forget the Salter kid that's out of, out of Texas that is suspended. He's going to be in the mix, too. There is no way you're going to be able to appease all those quarterbacks. So that mm-hmm. Somebody's means, transferring. Yeah, there, there's going to be there's going to be some guys hitting the road. Uh-huh. Uh, so, like I said, I, you know, it sort of surprised me that they would take uh, Milton. But if he thinks that he's got a possibility of being the starting quarterback and he's more talented than the other guys, I get it. Yeah, I, I mean, what more power to him, I guess. If he ends up winning the starting job, then you can pull up this episode and, and laugh at me about how dumb I am. But um, for the most part, I, I think he's third at best. And with the Salter kid, he may be fourth. Like Salter might be third. Harrison Bailey might be th- – I don't know how it's going to shake out, to be honest with you. Hooker's a pretty good quarterback. He did some good things for Virginia Tech. Wish he had a little bit more consistency throwing the ball, but he did a lot of great things for 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 the Hokies, and and so I'm, I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. Uh, this fall camp for Tennessee is going to be lots of fun, especially at that quarterback position, but whoever it's going to be needs to be able to run – the tempo offense needs to be able to get the calls and understand what to do. And, and they're going to have to get everybody else on the same page, right? They're going to have to be the person that knows what every position on the field does so that they can bark orders and command, command everybody around and, and place people where they need to go. And, and so it's going to come down to who has the highest football IQ or who has the highest hypo offense IQ, I, I should say. Well, too, I, I think too. You know, once I go back and think about it a little bit, maybe, you know, maybe maybe it makes sense for the fact. You know, obviously Tennessee is not set on a starting quarterback, and then also, you know, you don't know the relationship that he may have had at Michigan with Tim Banks, who's now the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. at Tennessee. So, yeah. you know, and when you look at it that way, you never know. And and let's let's be let's be frank here. Uh, Tennessee is going to take on some some transfers. That's going to happen. They're yeah. they're going to take some more guys on, uh, you know, especially for example at, at linebacker where they are extremely thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to happen. Uh, they're going to take on some more transfers. They obviously have a lot of scholarships available because of all the the attrition of mm-hmm. uh, the transfers out. So there's going to be a lot of different faces out there uh, on that football field. And, and as I was watching the the orange and white game, you know they're they're naming off guys, and I'm like, who is that? I've never heard of that guy. You know, so that's going to be a very very familiar theme come fall when you're watching the Tennessee game it's going to be the uh it's going to be the colonial athletic all-star all-star team or the the socon all-star team or the ohio valley conference to be the fcs all-star team because those guys are going to transfer up but um so i'm excited to see what tennessee has to offer um hopefully it's not much this season uh in in regards to my my georgia dogs but uh we'll we'll see but i think um, you'll be pretty safe with your georgia dogs yeah, probably so. Probably so. <laughs> um, so let's let's look at the West. I mean, we, we answered some questions on the East. You know, Florida ain't got much uh, offensively. They're gonna be they're gonna be okay defensively. That's where they're gonna make their hay. But they they, they struggle. Um, but not much contention for Georgia in the East. I think that's what we determined uh, when the three of us did the show uh, a couple of weeks ago. So let's look at the West now. Uh, Auburn's played Arkansas. I think everybody's played their spring game. Um, yeah. So let, let's let's take a look at Alabama. Let's let's see what they have. You know, obviously replacing a lot of firepower. Uh, Mechie's got to be the number one guy now, right? 
Yeah, no, no, you're right. He's got to be the number one guy at wide receiver. And, you know, wow, uh, the guy, you know, the NFL draft will be coming up. And when you see all the talent that's going to go in the first round from Alabama, you're going to say, well, how in the world are they going to replace all those guys? You know, they've done it before. Yeah, yeah. They've done it before. That's exactly right. But I, I tell you, I just can't help but believe they're going to drop down a notch. When you lose Mac Jones, when you lose Najee Harris, when you lose Devonta Smith, when you lose Jalen Waddle, mm-hmm. I mean, those guys are just those are difference. Each one is a difference maker. And all of those guys are going to be going. In the first round, maybe Najee Harris sneaks in the second round. I still say he's going to go in the first round. He's a first rounder. And, yeah, and and then Smith, Waddle, and Jones are all going to go in the top ten. Let's face it, mm-hmm. that's that's extremely difficult to replace. And you know, I saw Bryce Young. I saw some of that game also. And, and Young is extremely athletic, much more than Mac Jones. But you know. He's got a new offensive coordinator, obviously O'Brien. And the fact that, you know, you just, Corey, we talked about this. You just, you can't replicate game situations in practice and the experience you gain from playing games. And Young, no fault of his, just doesn't have that. No, not yet, at least. And and he doesn't have the luxury of having Sarkeesian. They will undoubtedly take a step back. I think that's pretty obvious. I mean, you lose that much talent. It, it's, it's you know, I, I can't even name the running back for the first time in a long time. Yeah, um, it's probably, like I said, I, I think probably it's going to be Trey Sanders, who, who was highly sought after coming out of high school. You yeah. know, he's that guy probably it's going to be, okay, it's your time, just like it was for Najee Harris. You know, okay, it's your time. You know, you sat here for a little while and it's your time. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Trey Sanders is a Najee Harris, though. No, he's not a difference maker like, like Harris is. But So they're going to take a step back, obviously, with coaching uh, on that offensive side of the ball. You know, you lose coordinators here and a year out, it seems like. At some point, it's got to come crashing down a little bit. The question is, is the rest of the pack going to catch up fast enough, or or, or are they going to make the gap up? Is somebody going to leap up there and and take the West this year while Alabama's kind of just coming back to the pack? I don't know. Defensively, is Alabama going to let that happen? What what do they have defensively coming back? Well, you know, seven starters return on defense. Uh, Christian Harris, an outstanding linebacker, comes yeah. back. Uh, uh, Josh Joby is probably going to be their best corner. But mm-hmm. you know, you got to replace again a guy that's probably going to be a top ten pick and the top cornerback in the draft. And Patrick Sertain. You know, I, I found this stat. This was incredible. Uh, Core. He allowed just twenty one catches on 48 targets for 273 yards last year. That is incredible. Wow. All those all those you know, all those games just 21 catches for 273 yards he allowed last year. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. When you have a guy like that Corey, it allows you to do so much more on defense because you can say, "Hey, okay, we'll leave this guy out here one-on-one." We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to give him safety help. We don't have to worry about it. We can move everything else in other places. It's incredible. When you have a guy like that, it is 
it, it, it just a shutdown corner is such a huge, huge asset for a defense. Yeah. I mean, it gives you so much momentum. It gives you, it gives you chances to mix up your coverages. It gives you chances to be more aggressive up front. Something that the Georgia defense wishes they could have with, with the inexperienced secondary. They have to really uh, be careful what they do. Alabama, not so much, at least with half the field. And and I think that with Christian Robinson at, at linebacker, I, I think you're going to see some. I think you're going to see some creativity with the coverages. You're going to see a lot more pressures. You're going to see a lot more aggressive play out of this defense. They're not going to sit back and play bend don't break defense. They're going to flat come after you. And that's how they finished out the season. You know, early on they played that bend don't break, and they probably broke a lot. And they broke a ton against Ole Miss. They had to score 62 just to win, just to eke out a win. Saban said, nah, that ain't going to work. We're, we're going to flat come after you. We're, if we're going to get beat, we're going to get beat at least being aggressive. And and they were aggressive, and they didn't get beat a whole lot after they changed kind of philosophies there. So it's just it's just the mindset, I think, of that defense. You have seven starters coming back on, on a defense that improved tremendously throughout the course of the season. I mean, they were flat dangerous by the time the uh, college football playoff came around. I mean, they were pretty much – you couldn't move the ball on them or anything. They were tough. But then, um, you know, you got that coming back. But the offense, is it's going to be a struggle to find their way early on. You know, the, will they figure it out? They probably will because Nick, Nick Saban probably won't let them flounder all season long. Bryce Young will find something he can do. Bill O'Brien will find something he can do. Or Bill O'Brien will be finding somewhere else to go next year. And I don't know about I don't know about O'Brien. Maybe he can recreate some of that magic he had at Penn State with Christian Hackenberg and taking that offense that had that was in shambles after the whole Joe Paterno thing. He took a team that probably had fifty scholarship players in the Big Ten, had made some noise. Did some, had you know got got Hackenberg drafted in the second round, which is beyond me. I don't know how that, yes, I don't know how he accomplished right. that. So um, he's going to have to find that magic. I don't know if he can find that magic. I don't know if he's lost that mojo. Houston kind of inflated his ego a little bit, then it came crashing down on him. You know, him and JJ Watt had felt like daily altercations on the practice field, questioning his coaching ability. So. But uh, you get two former NFL head coaches on the same staff. Doug Marone is your offensive line coach, who was just uh, who, who created the perfect tank situation for Jacksonville. Uh, he followed his orders. He was a sacrificial lamb. He he wanted out of Jacksonville, and and they said, oh, "Listen, just get us number one pick. We'll let you go, and uh, you you can go on wherever you want to go." And so he did. Yeah, that's the only way I can explain it. You know, how, how would you sit Gardner Minshew for, um, for Mike Glennon? I don't, I don't know how you do that, but Doug Brown did it. So, but he's now the offensive line coach at Alabama. So there you go. Now let's move on down to the Plains, Craig. Can Auburn, Auburn's a very intriguing team. We talked about the hire of Brian Harson. We talked about kind of what the, what it meant, the implications. It, it was one of those, it was hard to wrap my head around because it was such an outside the box higher, but I think it's going to work out. Well, I mean, he, you know, he's going to have Derek Mason as his defensive coordinator. 
uh, hired from a former head coach of Vanderbilt, a, a guy who's renowned as, as a defensive coordinator uh, and highly sought after once uh, he was fired from Vanderbilt. And then Mike Bobo uh, will be his, his offensive coordinator, who, who was offensive coordinator at South Carolina and interim coach there also. You know, the question is here is, uh, can Bobo rein in Bo Nix? Um, you know, uh, he, he was a wild stallion, if you want to say that. Uh, he, yeah. he was extremely erratic last year. Uh, he has he has talent, but, you know, he has got to rein it in and know uh, where to throw it, when to throw it, and when to throw it away. Uh, and he has problems doing that at this point. Uh, he lost his top three receivers, Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, Eli Stove. Uh, those guys combined for 145 catches, uh, over 1,700 yards and 10 TDs. So they, they've got a lot of work to do there. But, you know, they've got a horse in the backfield and Tank Bigsby. I really like this kid. Rushed for 100, 834 yards and five TDs last year. And and you know what, Corey, I was looking at their schedule, and it's it's pretty brutal. Uh, yeah. They're going to have to go to Penn State in the uh, pre-conference. And then also in conference, they're going to host Georgia – Alabama, and they've got to travel to LSU and AM. And, and, and this, to be quite frank with you, they will be underdogs in all five of those ball games. Yes, they will. And, but the good news is they get Georgia and Alabama at home. They're tough at home. So uh, that that's in their favor. That's not, a, that's never an easy trip for, for the Bulldogs, never an easy trip for Alabama. So we'll, we'll see kind of where that is. Now, my co host, Israel Troop, on the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast played for Bobo while he was at Georgia. And he was on, he went on the J Boy show and they talked about uh, when they hired Bobo. They did a whole episode about Mike Bobo. And, one of the things Bobo's not going to tolerate is Bo Nix's antics. The, sh- the there's not going to be any shouting matches on the sideline because Bobo's not going to have that stuff. And and Bobo will get in his face and it, you know he'll he'll get him straight. Now whether or not he can get him to play calm in the pocket and not feel phantom pressure, I, I'm I'm not real sure about that. We'll see as that comes. Uh, he didn't get a whole lot of pressure in the A-Day game. I, I think they kind of did that by design. They wanted to make him look good. But um, we'll see. If he can hang in there and, and make accurate throws. And, you know, I, I went on – I talked about this on the Palmcast. I went on with my friend Steve Willis. He has, uh, he covers Ole Miss. Um, he, he's kind of his own network there, uh, positively Ole Miss. And I went on there and previewed the East and the West, and and we talked about it, and we talked about Bo, and, and we compared him to Bo Wallace. You know, good Bo, bad Bo, right? And good Bo, you, you you see some throws, and you're like, wow, this guy, you know, dark horse for Heisman. You know, you, you, you get that word thrown around. It's like, man, he's, you know, this guy's going to be a force in, in, in the conference. And then all of a sudden, bad Bo strikes, and he throws really horrible interceptions. Really, He has really bad drives, feels pressure that's not there, misses throws badly, looks like he's never played football before sometimes, and then gets in shouting matches with the with the coach and then makes dumb decisions after that, and he just loses his head. So good Bo, bad Bo. Um, which Bo's going to show up at any given drive? I don't know. It's it's Harson and Bobo's job to, to find good Bo. And make sure good bow gets to the park, and make sure bad bow doesn't. So, if if he can calm down a little bit, I think that'll make a big big difference. the The play designs are good. 
you know, between Bobo's scheme and Harson's scheme, I, I think they're a good marriage for each other because I, I think that Bobo's gaps in his schemes are filled by Harson's and vice versa. I think Harson, you know, he does, Bobo does some things that, that you know, that works in this conference that, that Harson, you know, doesn't really know about. He kind of, they kind of help each other out. They're kind of good complimentary, uh, I guess you could say co-coordinators, but, um, so I'm excited about this Auburn, Auburn offense. Uh, I, I think they're always dangerous. Uh, they, they're, they're going to have these receivers that you've never heard of, like Elijah Canyon, uh, people like that. They're, they're in a, they're in on a transfer situation from Texas A&M, uh, Shadrick Banks. Um, so uh, keep your eyes peeled on that. Uh, but this Auburn offense is always a mystery every single year. And, and there's always a receiver that catches a ball and you're like looking at your program, like who's this guy? Uh, so that's going to happen for Auburn. Also tank Bigsby, your note on tanks, big tank Bigsby. Holy cow, man! He's one of the best. He's one of the best, if not the best, running back in the conference. Uh, I would put him ahead of. I would put him ahead of Zamir White. I would put him at maybe ahead of James Cook. I'd probably say I'd probably give him the nod ahead of those guys. Um, Kendall Milton's right on his heels. Kendall Milton is, is a great is great in this conference, and I can't really name another running back that I would take over Tank Bigsby right now in the conference, and. Auburn's got that, so they can they can rely on that. But uh, Craig, what have you seen from Auburn in the tight ends? Well, you know they they always have uh, a very good athlete at tight end. Uh, uh, Corey, you can go back through through the years, and and one in particular I think of popped right off my head was Frank Thomas. You know, mm-hmm. I mean he was a heck of a football player. Could have played the NFL. Obviously went a, went in the route of Major League Baseball and worked out very well for me. But as you said, Corey, they're they're always gonna they're gonna have athletes. They're gonna have guys to step in there that they'll be able to play. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that. I, I think you're right on Bo Nix. I think the problem with Bo Nix. Is is he he thinks he has to make an ESPN top ten play on every snap, mm-hmm. and if you can get that out of him, I, I think he is going to turn it into a very very good quarterback. Uh, he has to learn to take what's given to him. Um, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna have a fifty yard scoring play on every on every pass. It's just not gonna happen. And if you force the ball into coverage, then this results in 12 touchdowns and seven interceptions like he had last year. Mm-hmm. It's not going to cut it. You're mm-hmm. not going to win the SEC West with those kind of numbers. It's not going to happen. No, it, it's definitely not. And and it's got to be – that's got to be calmed down. you got to take care of the football. And, and I think I think Bobo will make sure that that happens um, for that. So I think you're going to see it. an Auburn team that's much improved – do they have enough firepower? I'm not positive that they have enough firepower to uh, to, to really make some noise. But they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be pesky. They're gonna be one of those teams that you're looking at going, okay, okay, I like this. I like this Auburn team. They're gonna at first they're gonna be like, yeah, and then they're gonna get better as the year goes on. And by the time they, that Alabama game rolls around, you're thinking, okay, this this team has a chance to do something next year. You know, they're gonna be. You know, ten and two, nine and three, kind of in that ballpark. Um, I, I think they're going to win a lot more games than people are, are giving them credit for. I think Harson knows what he's doing. He's got some. He had a great staff. They got great SEC connections. They know this conference. They know 
they know the planes and, and they're going to be good. So uh, let's head over. We, we, we alluded to uh, Texas A&M. Uh, four-star early enrollee Shadrick Banks has entered the portal. And Auburn is, is, a, is a place that he's, that he's looking at that could be a favorite uh, to land Shadrick Banks. What does, that, what does that do for Texas A&M? And what what is what is Texas A&M looking like? Are they going to repeat their performance of almost getting in the college football playoff? Are they here to stay, or was that just a flash in the pan? Well, I think Corey, I think they're going to take a little bit of a, a step backwards. Uh, to be quite honest with you, even though I think Jimbo's done a really good job of recruiting. Um, According I, I to think, the Gigum Gazette, they're national champions. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, they lost uh, their starting quarterback, uh, who is a veteran uh, who saw a lot of football games. And, you know, that, as we said, a bit, same, similar to Alabama, hard to replace a guy like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't care what you're, what, you know, how good of a talent he may be. The next quarterback may be more talented, uh, but you just cannot replace game experience. Uh, and it's just not going to happen. But as I said before, uh, they've got a lot of talent. Jimbo's done a really good job of recruiting. He's capitalized on the fact that Texas has been down mm-hmm. and has taken advantage of that and recruited very, very well. And, you know, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, and will be for years to come. Uh, and, you know, I can't say that I wouldn't throw them in there in the mix to win the West. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely going to be contenders, and and they're going to be they're going to have to take advantage of the fact that Alabama is not going to be uh, not going to be as good this year, and you know they're going to have to they're going to have some things to replace, especially Kellen Mond. Uh, you're you're looking at Hayes Hayes King right now as QB one, and uh, it's looking like I mean it, it's it's not over, but it, it's looking like that, and um, so yeah. Some other things they have to replace and some other things they have to bolster. I mean, you have the running back position, Isaiah Spiller. He he's got he's got a a, a backmate in Devin Caney that's uh, that's also breathing down his neck. He uh you know, I think he made a name for himself in the spring game. That's gonna heat up. So um the 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 the, the backup running back or the backfield carries and, and position battle is 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 starting to really heat up there. And so offensive line, um, they have an overhaul. What what does that mean for the run game? What does that mean for pass protection? You know, the, the game starts up front. And, you know, to me, if you don't have a great offensive line, it's tough to win in this league. And I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, and I, I know that Captain Obvious is sitting right next to me here at my house when I say that, but it is a legitimate concern. It's one of those things where is that going to be something that holds them back? Is it something that they've recruited well enough that those guys just have to get up to speed in the first couple of games and they'll be just fine? What are your thoughts on the offensive line? Well, you're right about that, uh, Corey. You know, uh, they're going to lean heavily on, uh, for example, on Kenyon Green. Uh, and and you've got people that you're going to have to replace. And as you said, 
it, it all starts up front uh, and you on both sides of the line, to be quite honest with you, you know, uh, you've got to have the horses there. And guess what? If you're going to beat Alabama, if you're going to dethrone Alabama, that's where you got to do it. It starts yeah. right there on the lines. That's what makes out. We can talk. And I've talked about all the skill positions that they've lost and everything. But you know what? Bottom line is. They've had the best offensive line. They've had the best defensive line in the conference for many years now, and that's why they win ball games. Exactly, and and so Texas A and M is going to have to replicate that again. Um, but the wide receiver spot should be good. Hezekiah Jones is or Hez Jones um, is is got to be the uh, got to be the leader there. They got mixed results in the spring game. On I'm on AggieYell.com. That's the rivals Texas A and M. Affiliate, uh, they have some guys there. They're gonna uh, that are going to have to make some hay. Chase Lane, there's some inconsistency going on at the wide receiver spot, so that's going to be concerning. Chase Lane and Hezekiah Jones, the two uh, premier guys for the for the Aggies, had kind of a shaky spring game, but uh, you know they're have to get Cam Buckley. He didn't have a reception in the spring game. Anaya Smith, 115 yards receiving and a score. He had a good spring game, but uh, Moose Muhammad, Devin Price, uh, to, to name a few. It, we're not going to know what this receiver group's going to look like. They've got a lot of work to do to build chemistry, and I think it's a lot of chemistry stuff with the quarterback position. No, I agree with you. Uh, I agree 100% with that, and you know, and as I said, you know, Kellen Mond is going to be very difficult to replace. Um, you know, he he took a lot of heat coming into uh, uh, throughout his career. But I tell you what, that guy was money last year and he made that team go. And he was the single most important player on that team last year. And, you know, you, you saw the results uh, of that. And without him, going to be tough. To replicate what you did last year. Absolutely. And losing Shadrick Jones to the portal doesn't help either. Defensively for the Aggies, um, where does their strength lie? Well, you know, again, I thought they were were very good. I thought they were very good on the defensive line last year. And I think it all starts right there. And I think a a result of that, as I said before, uh, they have taken advantage of the fact that Texas – uh, has been in turmoil and they have been the top dog when it comes to this, you know, getting the top players in the state, you know, and that has really helped them this. And, 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 and you know, those things happen. Uh, that's the way it goes. Uh, you know, you take advantage of, of situations when you can. And Jimbo's done that uh, by winning a lot of battles in the state of Texas and getting a lot of talent out of there. And, you know, you get the big guys. Everybody wants the big guys, you know, and, and that's the reason why they're so valuable is because of the fact that there's not there's not a a lot of very talented defensive linemen. Uh, there's only so many of them, not like wide receiver, not like running back where there's tons of those. OK, defensive linemen. No, there's only so many that are top notch and everybody's after them and your three def- and your three deepest defensive line rooms A&M, Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. So, needless to say, you're going to see those three teams kind of at the top. 
because you win games up front. Now, for, for A&M, big picture, defense is, is going to carry the offense early on. The offense have got to – they've got to find some somebody. They've got to find an identity. They've got to find something that they do well. Hayes King has got to get into a groove. Hezekiah Jones, uh, the, the receiving core – Chase Lane has got to find a way. They've got to replace Wiedermeyer. Uh, the running back's got to be productive. They're, they're, where the, where the production is going to come, I don't know on the offensive side of the ball. But but while they figure it out, defense is going to be pretty pretty stout. I, I love the the linebacker crew, Edron Cooper, uh, nine tackles, two TFLs, and a sack in the spring game. He was an All SEC line or Aaron Hansford. Um, he's an All SEC type linebacker. He's gotten bigger. Um, you know, you've got Eric Young, uh, Antonio Johnson, uh, Damani Richardson. You know, you have, uh, you know, you had some guys getting, you know, you had your two starting corners out in the spring game. So you were able to build some depth there. So it, it's, it's really good, uh, for the defense, uh, defensive side of the ball. It's really good just for this team. I, I think you're going to see some things gel and I think you're going to see this team offensively. They're going to be scary towards the end of the year. I think once they figure it out, you know, and they start playing more consistently. That's the that's the name of the game: consistency, consistency, consistency. Now, you know, I, I think you got your you got your contenders out of the way. Like I, I still consider Auburn until they prove me otherwise. Um, they got a new coach. Uh, I still kind of I still kind of see them as a dark horse contender. My my last dark horse, I think, in this division, team to watch out for, and don't laugh. The Ole Miss Rebels. Well, I, I can't really argue with that, uh, Corey. When you got 17 starters returning and, and the top quarterback uh, in the conference in Matt Corral, uh, you know, it's hard not to. And then you also got Jerry and Ely who rushed for 785 yards and nine TDs. I, I, I don't disagree with you, but – you have to do something about that defense. That defense yielded a league-leading 206.9 yards per game rushing and 38.3 points per game. That has to end. That's too much pressure on your offense to be able to win ball games, to have to just score and score and feel off. We didn't score this possession. We're going to get further behind. That's just too much pressure. But you know what? You got the top quarterback in the league coming Mm -hmm. into the season in Matt Corral. I mean, he he had 29 touchdown passes, completed over 70% of his passes, threw for uh, 3,370 yards. You know, I mean – the thing he needs to cut down on is his interception. All 14, this is interesting, all 14 of his interceptions came in all of Ole Miss's five losses. Yes. All their wins, no INTs. Yeah. It's crazy. But, yeah, they're going to have to get a little bit more consistent. I, I think they do. Usually Lane Kiffin, you know, in breaking down Lane Kiffin, and it's not unique to Lane, um, but we and I, I did a segment called Boot Camp the Offense, where we looked at him from year one at FAU to year three at FAU. This was this was before uh, they played any football. Um, and I, I said, I, I noticed the, a huge change in the timing of everything that he does. And, and Kiffin is 
heavily based on timing and RPOs. And and I think going from having your quarterback coming back from year one to year two gives you such a significant advantage because you have guys that you've been working with. A lot of guys are coming back. And to be able to have that chemistry with your offense is going to be huge for, for Matt Crown. I think you're going to see some more uh, consistency there. I think you're going to see less of the catastrophic games that he had a year ago. And I think a lot of that was just he felt like – I think Corral felt like and this offense felt like that because their defense was so bad, they had to put – they panicked a little bit. and they, had, they felt like they had to push the ball downfield more than they probably needed to. And they had to take more chances, probably. And when you take chances, you know, that you know, it's either going to be feast or famine. It's going to be chicken salad or chicken, you know what. And so I, I think in the games that they lost, he found a lot of chicken, you know what. And obviously, he feasted on chicken salad in the games that they won. So um, I think you're going to see a lot more even keeled Ole Miss team. They're going to be a lot tougher to contend with. They're going to be a lot tougher to defend. Um, but uh, this defense, you're right. Uh, the secondary was atrocious last year. Um, but they get a lot of guys back. There's more confidence. There's more enthusiasm. Guys are, are playing a little bit better. Uh, the secondary is going to be led by Tysheem Johnson uh, and Trey Washington. And, and uh, you know, those guys got some really good, much-needed reps. And uh, it looks like, you know, and this, this may be just – the spring ball hype train uh, cranking up, but this defense is, is, I mean, Craig, they got nowhere to go, but up. Uh, You're right, Corey. You know, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, if they shave off 10 points per game and let's say they, they allow 28.3 points per game uh, this season. I mean, think about that. Think about how many more wins they will have. Well, they beat Alabama. As a result of that, just, just by doing that right there. That's it because their offense, their offense is going to be practically, it's going to be hard to stop. It really is. And if you shave off 10 points off of what you surrender, that's going to be a huge, huge plus for them. Yeah, they don't have to be the 85 Bears. Right. Exactly. Yeah, 10 points, 28.3 points per game is not very good. But when your offense is as potent as Ole Miss's is, you know, you can afford to do that. You know, thirty-eight. Another story. Twenty-eight. Hey, that, that's 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 that, that probably constitutes another three wins. Yeah, go from thirty-eight to twenty-eight, and they're good. Yeah, and then they figure it out in year three, which I don't know. Maybe maybe they should have hired Derek Mason. God, if they hired Derek Mason, can you imagine what that what that coaching coach's office would be like? Uh, it would, would be kid, very interesting, would, would <laughs> to say the and, least. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm excited about Ole Miss. They're one of my favorite teams to watch offensively. Um, they're, they're a team. They they have fun, and they just play so loose. And I think that's I think that's where they. I think that's why they're so productive. I mean, you get some of these teams that play tight and they 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 play not to lose. Georgia played looser towards the end of the season. They Georgia's been an uptight team since the day Kirby stepped foot on campus. He's kind of put that pressure on him. He's loosened up a little bit. Um, but you know that's the name of the game. And, and Kiffin is about as loose as they get. I mean, there's a picture of him on RebelGrove.com, and he is um, he is taking batting practice. 
on in Vaughn Hemingway Stadium. Uh, they're playing softball. They're, I don't know what they're doing, but he, he's got a bat in his hand and it looks like he's about to hit a softball or he's doing something. Um, so, you know, talk about loose. There, there you go. Um, now, of, of the bottom tier of the West, you have Arkansas, Mississippi State, and do we put LSU in there, or, or, or have they upgraded? Are they kind of in that mid tier with 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 a Ole Miss, or where, where, where does LSU fit into this bunch? Are they going to be? You know, they lost a lot, and they just, you know, obviously they they finished in the bottom tier. So do they do they elevate out of the cellar pretty quick? You know, what, what's the deal with LSU? Well, you know, they're going to have to figure out who the quarterback's going to be. Uh, you know, you got Miles Brennan who started off last year and was injured. Uh, TJ Finley came in, uh, had one really good game and then just really fell off. And then at the end of the year, it was Max Johnson who looked terrific uh, at the end of the year. So, you know, you've got to figure out who your quarterback's going to be. You know, that some people say, well, that's a good situation. You got three guys in play. I, I think also it can be extreme uh, uh, distraction uh, because, you know, you've got different players are going to be in different camps for, for a certain quarterback. So we'll yeah. see how that goes. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be that quarterback because they all three have a legitimate reason to claim stake to that. Um, you know, as you said, Corey, they lost a lot offensively. Uh, Kayshawn Butte probably is going to be their top guy coming back. He had 45 catches, mm-hmm. 735 yards uh, last year. And then the final three games is really – he really kicked it in. He had 27 receptions for 527 yards and four TDs. Uh, running backs are going to be – you know, you got John Emery Jr., who was a hot shot coming out of high school. Uh-huh. Only had 378 yards rushing. Uh, yeah, it was disappointing. Uh, Tyreon Davis-Price, you know, he comes back as a leading rusher with only 446 yards. I, I don't think you're going to be – you're not used to LSU not having a horse in the backfield. And I don't know that that horse is there this year. Uh, no. That's going to be a problem. He no. may be there, but on paper right now, that horse is not there. And so, and I can't remember the last time they didn't have a horse in the backfield. Well, it uh, won't be long because they are in it for uh, Travis Etienne's brother, Trevor. Yes. And Justice but, Haynes uh, out of Georgia. They're in it for him. He's a couple of years down the road, but – um, you know, recruiting is starting to kind of reignite for LSU. So whatever downtick they're in probably is not going to last very long. But, yeah, you're right. I, I think once they figure out the quarterback situation, and, and I think they will, I think Max Johnson is going to come out of that pile. Uh, they got to figure out, you know, you know, yeah, booty to, to throw to. Um, but they got to figure out the running back situation. You got to figure out the offensive line. You got to figure. I mean, this offense has got. They got new. They got new philosophies, new coaching staffs, things like that. Ed, Ed Orgeron essentially cleaned house um, and, and hired some new guys. And uh, I think it's you know some, something that they got to have. Um, they got to have some answers, and they've got to figure something out. And and I don't know what that is. I don't know what that's going to look like. They're probably the most mysterious team in this entire conference, not just the SEC West. LSU is probably the team with the most questions and the most unanswered questions. And just watching them throughout the spring, I 
still feel like they have a lot of questions and I still didn't feel like they really answered any of them. It's weird. Um, but recruiting's picking up. That's the good news for the Tigers. So whatever that, like I said, whatever this downturn is not going to last very long. They have three-star receiver, the coldest Crawford. That's his name. I love it. The coldest. I like it. I wonder if he wears ski goggles, but um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I don't understand that trend. I do, but I don't. I don't know how it started. But you know, whatever. I, I'm not a fashion guru, so uh, you know, I can't really talk. But uh, so yeah, that's that's the latest on 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 LSU. Not not many answers, to be honest with you. Um, and and a team that's desperately searching for answers. Uh, is Mississippi State and Arkansas. Arkansas, much, much improved. They still got a long way to go, but they improved tremendously year one of Sam Pittman. You know, what? what is the impact or what has been the impact and what will be the impact of hiring Barry Odom as your defensive coordinator uh, to go along with the recruiting prowess of, uh, of Sam Pittman? Well, I, you know, I like Barry Odom. Uh, you know, I thought the Vanderbilt job was open. I, I thought he should he deserved strong consideration for that job. I thought he did a tremendous job at Missouri. Um, and, you know, he had a tough time, uh, you know, uh, injuries, a lot of injuries. Uh, yeah. You know, they give a lot of points, a lot of yards, man. They came up season high, 566 yards to Missouri. And we're not talking a juggernaut offensively in Missouri and they gave up a hundred and a total of 165 points in not losses a juggernaut to Florida. at the time, but they returned, I think eight starters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, they gave up uh, uh, a combined 165 points and a losses to Florida, Missouri yeah. and Alabama. That's a lot of points guy. You're just not going to win football games like that. Obviously I got to replace Felipe Frank who, uh, you know, uh, had had a good year. Uh, he wasn't outstanding, but he did he did his job, and uh, uh, he's going to be tough to replace. KJ Jefferson's probably the odds-on favorite uh, to take over that job, but you know he's very inexperienced. Uh, he's only had seventy-two uh, passing attempts in two years, so uh, that's going to be hard uh, for them. You know he's got to get up to speed, and he's going to have to again. We we we've talked about teams, and we seem to be saying this a lot. You know, replacing that quarterback is going to be very very tough. An experienced quarterback, and it seems to be a common theme really in the SEC. Uh, really, the only team that 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 really. Uh, doesn't have that problem, honestly, is Ole Miss, you know, with uh, Corral. But, you know, their offensive line pretty much returns intact. Uh, so that's really going to help them a lot. And uh, also uh, Traylon Smith, uh, who rushed for 200, uh, excuse me, 710 yards and five scores, he comes back. So this Arkansas team, I think it's going to be better than it was last year. Yeah, I mean they they they're physical. They, I mean that you know they had some injuries, they had some talent gap stuff that they had going on, and uh, they gave up a lot of yards, a lot of points. But they get a huge transfer, literally and figuratively. Uh, six foot six, three hundred twenty five pound defensive lineman John Ridgeway coming to the Razorbacks from Illinois State. So that should bolster that defense a little bit, make them a little bit tougher up front against the run. Uh, I I can't wait to see what this Arkansas team brings to the table. 
I'm interested to see what kind of jump they make from year one to year two. I think they played ex- extremely admirably. They were were they were a tough out. They were physical. They made you earn it, and you know they made you earn it on both sides of the ball. They're they're exciting to watch. They're I, I, I'm I'm likening Arkansas and Tennessee this year. I think those are going to be two very similar teams. The team teams that are going to be fun to watch. They're going to get after you, but they don't have a lot of talent. They have pockets of talent, like very small pockets of talent. They're going to rely heavily on on hitting the transfer windows um, early in, in the in the 10 years of Sam Pittman and, and Josh Heupel. And they're going to be two very similar teams. And you're going to see teams that are going to improve throughout the course of the year. They're going to be exciting to watch. And they're, they're not going to be an easy out for a lot of teams uh, outside of Georgia and Alabama. You know, I, I think it's going to be a lot of people are going to be like, okay, this Tennessee team is, you know, they're they're getting there, they're they're for real, and they're gonna they're gonna do some things, they're gonna make some noise here, and and we're we're excited. Same with this Arkansas bunch. Traylon Smith is as exciting as they get. Uh, they got to replace the quarterback position, but they have the offensive line to protect. Uh, they have the running game to lean on. They have Trey Knox out of Blackman High School um, as one of their receivers. Uh, unfortunately, Mike Woods transferred out to Oklahoma, so he won't be back for the Razorbacks. But I think that uh, you'll have some guys step up. One of the things that Kendall Bryles, A, he stuck around for a year two, and B, one of the things he does really well is he can make something out of nothing. And he can take lack of experience, ratchet up the speed, and make it tough for the defense. And so I'm I'm excited about that. Now, lastly, we got Mississippi State. Will Rogers, year two of Mike Leach. Does Mike Leach's plan work? Mike Leach, everywhere he's been as a head coach, year two has always been a significant improvement over year one, and partially because he he's on the uh, rebuilding phase of tearing it all down. What what do you expect out of Mississippi State? Well, you know they it, it, a lot of eyebrows were raised when uh, ESPN came out with their uh, football football power index uh, for this upcoming season, and lo and behold, sitting there at number eight was Mississippi State. So they're a team that were they were they were racking up the yards and racking up the points towards the end of the yeah. season. I mean, you have a guy like Will Rogers who he can sling it. He can. And he's got a lot of weapons coming back. Uh Jaden Wallen, Austin Williams, Malik Heath, they all combined for 132 uh receptions for 137 uh, excuse me, 1397 yards last year. They're all coming back. You know, the the running game, you know, uh, the Pirates never going to run for much yards. It's just the way that offense is, but they do return their top two rushers from last year and you know, there, as who, I said before, you? yeah. <laughs> so you know, you got eight coming back on offense and eight coming back on defense. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Emmanuel Forbes, the cornerback, he he led the team in interceptions with six. Uh, also had six pass breakups and eleven passes defense. So he had a really really good year. Now, do I think they are going to be the number eight team in the country? No, I don't. 
Do I think that they are going to improve significantly over last year? I do. Yes. I do. Yeah, I mean, you got all that coming back, all that experience coming back. They're used to they're used to Leach now. Leach is going to be able to get his guys in here, guys that have bought in. And that, that goes a long way. I mean, you know, I, I said the thing about Kendall Bryles, the same is true with Leach. I mean, he took he took a putrid Washington State team, went two and ten in his first year, and then contended for the conference championship. I think won nine games his second year with Luke Falk. And he continued, I think he had a streak of like three straight with uh with Washington State and that ten win capper with uh with Gardner Minshew was uh you know that was icing on the cake for him and you know that's kind of what got him in the situation he's in. And so uh one of the things you that you like about this Mississippi State team is is that they showed a lot of firepower towards the end of the year. Defensively, they showed some promise up front. They got, they were able to get some pressure. They were stout against the run. So you got a team that's, I'm gonna call them sneaky good. That's yeah. kind of that's kind of how I view them. Sneaky good. Yeah. And you got a guy, you know, defensive coordinator in Zach Arnett, who is a a rising star. I mean, his name was mentioned throughout the offseason as a possible replacement for defensive coordinators at some big, big time schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a rising star and he has done an excellent job with that defense. Yeah, no doubt. And it's uh, it shows they're aggressive. They flat get after you. So, um you know, I, I know I sound like John Gruden when I say I'm excited about all of these teams, but I mean, this is going to be a very competitive conference. This is going to be an extremely competitive division. Um, I, I think from top to bottom, any team can can sneak up. Alabama's coming back to the pack, so that's not that doesn't bode well for them. Uh, the, the other teams are hungry. You have a hungry Auburn team who's always looking to knock off Alabama. Um, you have a Texas A&M team that tasted the college football playoff for just a second, and then they were they were denied, so they got a chip on their shoulder. You know, you've got an LSU team that nobody knows anything about, but they do have some talent somewhere in there, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna flash it at some point. You got an Ole Miss offense who's explosive. They got to find some answers on defense. Arkansas, they've got to find some some answers somewhere. They've got to find somebody emerge as a playmaker, and then of course Mississippi State. Um, you know, same same deal. They gotta, you know, see where they're at, see what their identity is, see if they can actually have a little bit more success in running the ball. I, I think they have to be a little closer to balance. I'm not saying that to be fifty fifty. Not even saying they have to be sixty five thirty five. But I I do think a quarter of your production needs to be on the ground at least. And and I think that you have to take advantage of of explosive plays. You have to, you know, th- there's got to be some things that you do there in in the run game, or you're not going to be successful in this league. I don't care how much of a passing league, how much of a seven on seven uh, thing this this conference has turned into. You have to be able at some point when you need it, you have to be able to run the ball. And that's what they're going to focus on. That's what they're going to do. In their recruiting class, what I really like is they have one, two, three, four, five defensive backs committed already. Um, they're they're really hammering the defensive defensive side of the ball in this this year's or this recruiting cycle so far. 
um, DN Jacarius Clayton. You have linebacker Khalid Moore. And then you have Jatarius Elam, Jordan Thomas, Kylan Griffin, Tyler Woodward, and Wesley Miller all at DB. And they got Jackson Cannon at offensive line. So they're bolstering the positions of need uh, for Mike Leach. He's trying to build up front. I think he knows being at Kentucky. I think he kind of knows what this how to win in this league. Uh, he's just got to get used to it. So, uh, but that that's going to wrap up the SEC West. Um, you know, I I think to summarize, Craig, what, how do you how do you summarize this this SEC West chase? I'll say this, uh, you know, George is the clear cut favorite to win the East. Uh, no doubt. Um, no doubt. The West, I would still take Alabama, but not nearly as clear cut a pick as I would with Georgia. Now, overall talent, I think the West by far is ahead of the East, but. As I said before, I think the gap has narrowed between Alabama and the others. I think there's some very, very good football teams in this West. Mm -hmm. As I said before, I still take Alabama, but it's not as decisive of a pick as I've had in the past. I'll say that. Uh, You know, there is plenty of really good football teams here. And, you know, I can't sit here and just say, okay, here's the clear-cut cellar dweller in the West. I can't can't do that here. I mean, there's some really good football teams in the West and by far better than teams in the East. Yeah, as of right now, but the East is catching up, I think. You know, the East made made the made all the right moves in the in the coaching hires. I think they 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 had the most turnover. So the East is still a relative mystery, but the West is the West is truly a, a six team race at this point. But I will be interested to see kind of how our opinions change as the summer comes along and as summer preview and as as fall camp game one, you know, as we get closer to game one in, in August or right around Labor Day. I'm interested to kind of see how it all shakes out and how it all takes place and how it all changes, if what changes. Uh, and, and those changes will come because of the portal. Uh, the portal yeah. is going to be extremely active. So we're going to see who gets what. You know, can Tennessee make some make some noise in the, in the portal and, and bolster that defense and really kind of make themselves from um, not even contending and just development – to okay, we have a chance at this thing. You know, how many teams are going to get that chance now? Like Oklahoma's getting a lot of transfers. They're trying to get back in the CFP picture here. Uh, they they did not enjoy losing to Iowa State. They didn't enjoy that very much. Uh, they didn't enjoy being left out of the CFP, and they certainly don't enjoy getting their heads kicked in when they get there. So they got a lot of transfers coming and uh, they got some, they got some weapons now. Um, Eric Gray has been really turning some heads out there in Norman. So, um, you know, you got a lot of teams that are taking advantage of the transfer portal, but uh, speaking of teams that are looking to up their image, uh, Nashville, uh, big FCS splash hire. Uh, you can thank coach prime for that. Um I know Eddie George is going to send Coach Prime a big thank you card uh, for being the pioneer of former NFL players with little to no coaching experience landing a Division One head coaching job. 
Eddie George is the latest. And he hires Jeff Fisher as his top assistant. So really, Jeff Fisher's the head coach of the TSU Tigers. Uh, I know at the top of the show, I forgot what their mascot was, but um, what are your thoughts on this? Is it publicity stunt? Is you know TSU jumping the shark a little bit? Well, you know, what's what's going on here? Well, I'll say this: it definitely moved the needle uh, out there, and they had more publicity as a result of this than probably they've had in the last ten years. So that that's the, the positive of that. Um, that is the truth. Uh, also, the fact that you know they the offensive coordinator is going to be Hugh Jackson. You know, a guy yes. with NFL experience, head coaching experience, he's going to be your offensive coordinator. So, you know, there are a lot of changes going on at TSU, and and they are going. Like I said, they're they're capitalizing on the uptick of HBCU football. Uh, and you know, you can say what you want about Eddie George's lack of experience as a head coach. Um, and the fact that Jeff Fisher is going to be basically his, I guess, quote unquote, he's not going to be assistant coach. He's going to be a consultant is basically what it is, but you know, he's going to be probably standing there on the sideline offering advice as to what to do, when to do it, when not to do it, et cetera, He's going to be the equivalent of what Marvin Lewis is for Herm Edwards, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And so obviously it's going to, you know, there is not a place in the country, not a household, not a household in the country that Eddie George can't walk into and everybody knows who he is. And you saw Heinz Ward got hired down at FAU. Yes, I did see that. I did see that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's an uptick. Uh, you know, a lot of these these former NFL players are are now available uh, in, in assistant coaches, head coaches, et cetera. And like I said, I, I go back to the recruiting for TSU. I mean, you're going to walk. He, he's he can walk in any household in the United States, and they're going to know who he is. It's not going to be phone call to. Uh, player X and say, hey, this is uh, Coach Eddie George from TSU. They're not going to go, who? They're going to know who he is. Everybody's <laughs> going to know who Eddie George is. So that is huge. I mean, that's huge when it comes to the recruiting uh, situation. Everybody knows who he is. They're yeah. going to know, you know, who's on his staff. Um, and, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how it's going to give them an uptick in recruiting. Um, you know, we'll see how it the results are going to be on the football field. Their first game of the year is going to be a Hall of Fame classic, uh, in Canton, uh, against Grambling, and then they'll follow that up against Prime. So, Eddie versus Prime in the Southern Heritage Classic in Memphis, the second game of the year. Well, at this point, they might as well just join the SWAC if they're going to play all those uh, SWAC games, yeah. So that'll be right. Listen, when that 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 Jackson State TSU game, it's going to be a tough ticket. I, you know, I have had the pleasure yeah. of being on you know on the football broadcast team for the last four years, and you know it that the Southern Heritage Classic draws a lot of people, fifty thousand plus. There's mm-hmm. probably fifty thousand plus 
out in the parking lots tailgating. It's like a week long celebration. Now yeah. you add prime time in there and Eddie George, it is going to be over the top. Yeah, it is. It's going to be fun. Um, Eddie George is bringing excitement to TSU, and I, I think that's the first goal uh, that they hit. And I, I think that that's what they needed. They needed a, I guess, a kick in the rear end, um, and and they needed that jolt of energy to come in to rejuvenate that program because that's a program that is by and large ignoring a large portion of Metro Nashville. Um, they, you know. I know from personal experience, uh, the old staff, the staff that just left, wouldn't give Hillwood the time of day. And did we have players that could play at TSU? Maybe, maybe not. However, it's all about, it's a relationship business. So, you know, in the event that we were to ever do have a kid that could play there, and we do have, we do have a kid that's there. He played my first year. Uh, with Kurt and I, uh, he was a linebacker. He was a senior, so I only got I only had him for a year. Daniel Bonner, he's number two on the depth chart now. He's a special team starter, uh, a reserve inside linebacker. You would think, hey, let's let's at least talk to Hillwood. Let's at least talk to all the schools in Metro. We may not get we may not get anybody, but from Pearl Cone, like you know that they may not get anybody from from Metro except for one or two schools. That's okay. That's fine. But you you got to have a relationship with all these metro schools because you know how you know how transient metro is. You know, kids move move all around. Coaches move all around. So you never know where the where the talent's going to be year to year. I mean, you can guess that it's going to be at Pearl and Cane Ridge, but you've got to you've got to establish relationships, and that's one thing Eddie George is going to have to do. People are going to know who he is, but he's still got to form that concrete relationship where you know he feels comfortable at least within the borders of Davidson County stepping on campus and saying, Hey, you know, what's hey, what, what you got for me, you know, and, and getting past that, you know, he's got to get past the, the name recognition. He's got to start building some concrete relationships. That's his next step in the game, build a staff, build relationships beyond just, they know that he's Eddie George. He's a Heisman trophy winner. He is the Titans franchise. And, uh, you know, you got to get past all that. You know, it's got to go deeper than that. And for him to be successful, for Prime to be successful, he's got to get past Prime and build real, build, build real relationships. And that's what's going to make Jackson State's. That's what's going to make them successful. And and the same could be said for any school. Clark Lee's going to have to do that. Josh Heupel's going to have to do that. Shane Beamer's going to have to do that. Any coach in America is going to have to do that, but it's, it. But these guys come with you know a lot of these guys come with with pre made uh, contacts. Eddie George, I you know everybody knows who he is, Craig. But does he have the high school contacts that a lot of these that a lot of his colleagues have? I don't think so. But it's going to be pretty easy for him to to make them. No, you're right about that. Uh, he's going to have to establish uh, a rapport with the the local high school coaches. There's no doubt about that. And then also, he's going to have to 
really find out where his bread and butter is going to be as far as a territory goes. Is it going to be in Ohio because of the fact that he went to Ohio State? Uh, is it going to be, I think he, he's originally from Philadelphia, I think, coming out of high school. Is it going to be in the Pennsylvania area? Where is going to be his mainstay, where he's going to really have his most connections in order to draw in some players? All of that needs to be figured out. Also, you know, the fact that he gets hired and there's an uptick in the in the program, uh, you know, Hale Stadium is in dire need of an upgrade. It needs an overhaul. Um, you know, the press box is woeful. Uh, that stadium has really not been updated probably since the 70s. And if you're going to play the majority of your games there, uh, it, it's got to be upgraded. Uh, it really does, and that's what they want to do. You know, they want to play a couple of games over at Nissan Stadium and then play the rest of their home games in the hole. Well, you know what? It, it's got to be better. You know, if you want people to come, uh, you want to put out that perception that we're a big-time football program at FCS, then you've got to make some major, major upgrades uh, as far as that stadium goes. Yeah, no doubt. And and that's that's got to be on the list, building relationships, establishing your primary recruiting ground, which to me has got to be Middle Tennessee. Um, and then work your way up to Ohio. So whatever the case may be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I, I saw that hire. I was like, wow. Uh, they're they're going straight to <laughs> they're going straight to somebody who's never ran a division one college football program so it, it it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch um I, there's there's obviously brand recognition now with tsu it's gonna be an interesting story if he succeeds then i think that's gonna start a trend not and i think it's gonna reach beyond HBCUs. I think a lot of these FCS programs are kind of are going to look out to retired pros and say, "Hey, come to Davidson, right?" Hell, Davidson might even ask Steph Curry to come coach football. Who knows? <laughs> um, you know, like Delaware is probably they're on the phone with Joe Flacco right now as we speak. I bet. Come on back, man. Come on back. I know you want to coach here. Uh, it's it's crazy, um, and. I, I can't wait to see it. I think it'll be fun to see these lower levels hire these guys to bring you know some excitement to their level of football. And I wouldn't mind seeing them play in the spring from here on out. This is it's been fun to watch FCS football a little bit. You know, I don't usually get to watch it. No, you're right. I, I think it's it's something to really consider uh, going forward. You know, you you're the, I guess the the top game. You're you're it. In the spring, you're not competing against all the big boys, you know, that you do during the fall. And the fact that, you know, we talked about this, I, I said, I hoped that ESPN would show more FCS games. Well, they did, you know, albeit it was a lot of Jackson State games because of primetime, but there were a lot of FB, uh, FCS games on, which is great. It's It opens up the door for a lot more fans to watch that we're not familiar with that mm -hmm. brand of football. You know, there's a lot. Listen, if you go down NFL rosters, uh, you know, there's a lot of FCS players on those. There's a lot of talent that comes out of there. And, you know, it's good football. 
It really is good football. And, and, you know, it's good that they finally had some recognition and they were the big game in town during the spring. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, Craig, that's going to do it for us, though, man. Um, that's going to wrap us up. This uh, this coaching chatter extravaganza, um, it's coming to an end, sadly. But uh, we're going to be back at it next week. We're going to actually look to the pros next week. Uh, we're going to do some post-draft breakdown stuff. Maybe Kurt will join us again. Maybe he'll plant a satellite in his backyard somewhere and get a signal. <laughs> hopefully, you know, hopefully. But uh, he, he's at the lake. He, maybe we'll catch him while he's water skiing. I don't know. Who, who knows? But I uh, want to, th- again, thank our sponsors, betonline.ag. I want to thank Kenny Salas for all the hard work he does in the realtor game, uh, especially here in Middle Tennessee, more specifically Wilson County. Uh, I want to thank also Soar Athletic Training for, for everything that uh, that y'all provide uh, for us and the outlet that you provide for youth football, youth and middle school football. So uh, it gives them some shine, gives them a place to develop as well. They're kind of the forgotten age group when it comes to football camps. Everyone's Everyone's enamored with the 18U and, you know, camps and seven on sevens turning into AAU and the young kids get left out and the older kids get all the get all the attention. So maybe there's going to be a movement for 14, 15U, um, you know, to, to get in that market, too. So um, but before we go, before we go, let's congratulate Kelly Salas who is going to be inducted into the Wilson Central Hall of Fame. Oh. We obviously know who has the talent in that couple. No No brainer there. So congratulations going out to Kelly, who was an outstanding athlete. I think she was – uh, basketball and softball. I believe I know it was basketball. I have to double check as to what it uh, was. Well, golf. I'll take that. She earned a golf scholarship at, at Samford. So, congratulations goes out to her. And, you know, uh, I know that uh, Kenny has probably aspires to be as good a golfer as her wife. And it's not. And, and the children, I'm sure, are good athletes. And it's not because of Kenny. Yes, and Kenny would ride her <laughs> coattails in these golf tournaments. So yes, it's kind of it's kind of not kind of not fair. But um, anyway, also uh, one last thing uh, with the home team, uh, the support the square giveaway that you can win a three hundred dollars in gift cards to the Lebanon Square. So like and tag two friends. Hopefully you won. Uh, that one's expired, um, but we'll. I'm, I'm hoping somebody won that one, um, but hopefully somebody won that. They, they they do cool drawings like that. They do cool drawings, uh, advertising, I guess contests. I guess so. To, I guess is what you'd call it. Um, they do a lot of cool stuff to to, to raise awareness for their uh, for their company, and and so it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, Kenny was really fun to to, to coach with, and and uh, and so yes. And, and he's been a great sponsor so far, and and uh, hopefully, hopefully they hadn't forgotten about us. So I know we've kind of taken a couple of hiatuses, a couple of uh, hibernations, so to speak. But we're back, uh, we're back, and uh, hopefully better than ever. So uh, with that, congratulations, Kelly. 
We are the Coaching Chatter Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. And I want to thank again. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed next week NFL draft. And we move into some more summer topics um, as we go. But we are the Coaching Chatter Podcast presented by betonline.ag. Thank you and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.